Okay, welcome into the second season of Limeland Hoops in History. I'm your host, Matt Childers. Great to be with you here. Season two, season one ended, unfortunately, with uh, the postponement and the cancellation thereof of the OHSAA State Basketball Tournament. So tonight, talking a little hoops, a little Michigan week, a little college football. And we'll look forward to uh, maybe uh, giving you a little preview of what's going to happen this weekend with some high school hoops. My guest, the usual suspects uh, in my world, it's Jason Geyser from WLIO and the Hometown Stations, and uh, Coach Mark Bagley, who's the superintendent of Van Wert, uh, former head coach of the Van Wert Cougars. And uh, I welcome them both in as I uh, do a little uh, exchange here on my intro. Guys, welcome. It's uh, good to be with you. Matt, thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, Shirley. It's great. It's great to be on here tonight. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I need some stimulation, and I know we do this stuff, this fun stuff on Saturdays uh, that uh, happens each and every Saturday on 93.1 The Fan. But, uh, gosh, I, I just enjoy it so much, and it's something that uh, I, I believe is uh, – you know, you only get uh, so many months of doing it with uh, hoops around our area. Um, this uh, podcast started in uh, 2019, and then we carried it over into 2020 when uh, things just didn't go our way in the state of Ohio and across the nation. Uh, we actually had five teams that uh, still had the opportunity. I looked up, I, I saved a favorite picture, guys, in my uh, uh, iPhone uh, photos. And it was showing the times that I had written down for the state championship games. And Shawnee was going to play at 10.45 a.m. on that Saturday and Columbus Grove right after at 2 p.m. if they made it that far. So they both, they both had some work to do for sure. I mean, Columbus Grove had to beat Parkway. Shawnee was going to have to beat uh, Upper Sandusky and then Toledo Rogers and then win a semifinal game. All of that included. But it was just interesting, that picture that was – in my uh, iPhone photos uh, was very interesting. And so that was season one. We, we begin season two and uh, we've seen uh, a little bit of action. We've got a little taste of it so far. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, let's, uh, let, let's just talk uh, a little bit about uh, Michigan week. And as we're uh, taping this uh, podcast on Wednesday evening, just uh, news broke today that the Ohio State Buckeyes during Michigan week will not play Michigan, will not play this weekend, but will indeed play in the championship game versus Northwestern. That'll be at Lucas Oil in Indianapolis uh, one week from Saturday on the 19th for the Big Ten championship. And the CFP came out last night and they remained in fourth place. So Jason, I'll start with you. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, everything that's happened uh, since uh, last weekend when the Buckeyes beat up Michigan State uh, and then uh, it was announced that Michigan was not going to be able to go. And by the way, Indiana and Purdue not able to go this weekend either. I think we all had a bad feeling about whether Michigan was going to be able to play or not. And then that all came to fruition, I suppose, what, Monday or Tuesday is when that uh, – Tuesday, I guess, when that came out. Uh, that didn't surprise me. It hit me harder than I thought it would. I mean, I'm a born-raised yeah. Buckeye fan. I went to Ohio State. I – you know, I've, I've worked in the state, I have ties here and, and, and you know, I, I kind of, as, as the year has gone by and things haven't gone our way repeatedly, it's been like, okay, 
I've been real good at rolling with the punches and, you know, all right, another thing that we're not going to be able to do. And this one, I don't know, it was probably 12 hours after they announced it, sometime midnight or one o'clock last night when I was finally unwinding from my, from my second shift type of day and sitting down in front of the TV. And it, it kind of hit me. I was like, man, I can't believe there's not going to be a Michigan game this year. That yep. just doesn't ever happen. You go back to the, the 19 teens since the last time that that happened. So yeah, that that's brutal. I, I I can't put a I can't put a positive spin on that one. I, I haven't heard it yet, uh, but I think it said 1918, which was the last time we had a pandemic, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that would have been that would have been Spanish flu. Yeah. So yeah, indeed. Uh, Bags, what what was your thought? Uh, you know, looking, uh, we we were all together on the radio uh, last Saturday. Buckeyes get a big win at Michigan State, convincing win, uh, which they I felt like they needed to do. And then uh, the news breaks, no Michigan game. But yet, good news today, they're, uh, they advanced to the Big Ten Championship. I thought it was the right thing to do uh, across uh, college football, but uh, really for the Big Ten to be able to advance Ohio State into that game. It's really not even advancement. They deserve to be there, and they'll play Northwestern at Lucas Oil. Like most people, it was the same kind of feeling we've had many times – uh, this year where disappointment uh, and I instantly started looking, you know, when it actually is the big 10 championship game. I went last year. It's the first time I, I wasn't involved in coaching. And I actually, I that. Yeah. Today is the one year anniversary of that game and had a great day all day long in Indy got there like 10 in the morning and spent the whole day there. It was so much fun. Cause I never experienced that. I was getting ready for Lincoln viewer Crestview that weekend every year. Um, and that did, and it was so nice last year to be able to, this is what it's like to be normal and not preparing for a game and going to a game on a Friday or Saturday night. And that popped up today on my phone. Uh, so that was weird, but I also looked at what time the game is on Saturday. The game is noon. And so I think we all understand too, there's a financial piece of this whole puzzle. And I think Ohio state deserves to be in the game, but this game wouldn't be at noon if it was a normal year, there can't be any fans. So it kind of ties in with Fox's big noon Saturday and yeah. the preview and Urban Meyer and his crew. That, For me, that's kind of taken over my Saturday mornings now, if I'm not with you, Chili. Mm-hmm. I've kind of tended to go to the, the Fox pregame versus a game down ESPN. Um, and I think uh, that game being at noon, I, I kind of like that. It, 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 it's the middle of the day. You don't have to wait all day long for it. We, we couldn't go to the game anyway. So I think Ohio State is deserving, I think. You know, I'm a little concerned about the nuclear uh, option here. If if Clemson pounds Notre Dame and Florida beats Alabama, we got a mess, in my opinion. In the whole, and who's who the four is going to be? Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I just. I don't see Alabama losing that game. They they never seem to lose games when they're not supposed to, unless Ohio State's playing them in 2015 in the college football semifinals. So. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, that will that that will create uh, a real uh, a real mess when you when you look back at it. Uh, what what could happen? Because you know, Clemson and Alabama are just the usual suspects in that uh, college football playoff, and then Ohio State's names in there as well. Uh, I think LSU beat Clemson last year, 44 to 25. Clemson got Alabama the year before, like 44 to 16. And uh, last year's semifinal, uh, unfortunately for the Buckeyes, who led for a big portion of that game, they lose 29-23 to against Clemson. 
and uh, LSU drills Oklahoma 63 to 28. All that being said, college football playoff, it was to start today. And let's just say that, that those are the teams. How do you think that will play out if Notre Dame and Clemson play each other? They're in the two and three hole. And then you got Alabama and Ohio State in the one and four hole. Uh, you know, I don't think they want a rubber match. I guess if I'm the ACC, I don't think they want a rubber match, do they, with Notre Dame and Clemson, uh, uh, you know, uh, a handful of days later. I think there's the Rose Bowl as a venue and the Sugar Bowl, and then they end up in uh, – I think they end up in Miami is where they end up this year. So, I, I don't – what do you guys think about that? Clemson, Notre Dame for a, for, for a three-peat there. I don't love the three match. I don't think most casual fans want to see three teams play once in one year unless they've given us two absolute classics. And that first game was pretty good. So let's see what the yeah. second one has to offer before we form our judgment there. I mean, if the second one goes Clemson's way and as uh, dramatic a fashion as Notre Dame won the first, then I don't know. I could be talked into watching it a third time. Uh, I feel like the committee has shown us the power in the past to massage the rankings at the end. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe they get the matchup they want. And, and I kind of feel like that's their job at that point. I, I'm not trying to insinuate that it's anything anything untoward. Uh, I think you, you put the numbers by the names all year long. But then once you've got your four, I think it's their job to give us the semifinals. What do you think uh, of so Maybe yeah. they would arrange that somehow where Ohio State slid into a three and, you know, and then we didn't have that three match right off the bat. They had to earn their way into a, a national championship game for us to Let's see. Let's see if Notre Dame wins bags if uh... – if uh, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and play in the Rose Bowl on January 1st? Well, I, I think um, there's a couple scenarios here. If Ohio State has a Wisconsin-like 59-0 win over Northwestern, remember a couple years ago they didn't have a convincing win. They were left out, and, and probably rightfully so because they got drilled by Iowa, and, and that was a, a, not a good game. But I, I think, honestly, the committee – would probably prefer to have Alabama play Notre Dame first. Uh, Alabama would be the favorite. And then a rematch maybe of Clemson, Ohio State at the two and three spot, however that shakes out. And then you get the opportunity of a final. Sorry, Chile, I'm leaving Notre Dame out of this. But of Alabama versus Ohio State or Clemson, that way you, you get both options of, of, of some games. But yeah. it, could, it could go the other way. It could go, you know, Alabama plays Clemson and Ohio State plays Notre Dame. I, I think that would be an option, too. I don't think the committee wants to have an, a third game with Notre Dame and Clemson. As Dan but, Dockett, or I'm sorry, as Dan Patrick would say, uh, it is a TV show. And uh, there is, as, as Tony Kornheiser, uh, those are my two favorite radio guests, as, as Dan Patrick and Tony Kornheiser's uh, one bo once boss said, uh, 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 the answer to everything is money. Uh, just ask the question. So, that could be the case that uh, Notre Dame and Ohio State end up. I, I do think it's intriguing. Uh, and you have the Rose Bowl as the backdrop. Unfortunately, no fans. But uh, we shall see it all play itself out uh, in the next weeks. But uh, that's a good look at uh, what's happening around our dial with regard to uh, the uh, college football playoff. Uh, let's speak of the uh, stay with in Columbus before we get to the uh, Lima Land Hoops uh, portion of the program. Uh, OSU played Notre Dame last night. Uh, Fun game, loved uh, watching it, uh, really was dialed into it and thought, boy, Notre Dame uh, is actually pretty darn good here. Uh, and as a, as a result, Ohio State wins the second half by 13. 
upends uh, Notre Dame, scores 90 points. They win 90 to 85. Uh, and it was led by E.J. Liddell, who had 17 of his 19 in the second half. One, one stat, because I'm a huge free throw guy, Bags, is Ohio State went 21 of 24 from the free throw line, which is, is so key in high school and college basketball to win tight games. Uh, did you get a chance to see the game last night, Coach? Yeah, I missed the start. I started watching about eight minutes to go in the first half, and Ohio State had about an eight-minute segment. They were awful. Uh, the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half as I was watching it. And what, what keeps on impressing me about Coach Holtman is how calm he was because the game got really physical. And there were, I mean, it was, it was bodies everywhere. It was, a, like a, it was a mid to late season game as far as the intensity. But just I thought the grit that Ohio State showed to finish uh, both offensively and defensively. The last possession defensively was a clinic. Yeah. Um, what, what they did with, with their switching – and the deflection off the leg, and they made free throws. And, again, those are the little things that have to happen. And as I emailed with Coach Holtman today, he said we, it, was, it was a good win. Got to get better. We got three games next week. So, you know, a typical coach, he's on to next week, and they got three games on, I think, Sunday, Wednesday, but Saturday next week. I would tell you, the getting on that flight, though, back from South Bend to Columbus had to be very uh, – um, enjoyable versus what could have been because they were not, you're right. They, they were, they looked very lethargic. And uh, I did like, uh, and I didn't even know him before Musa Jalal. Uh, I didn't know that name uh, swing man who played really well down the stretch. And he was the one who created all that defensive confusion there at the end against hub with uh, Notre Dame on the last second shot that could have potentially tied the game. But uh, uh, Jason, uh, Justin Arns, Knocks down three threes, uh, gets nine points, and he's done a pretty nice job for Chris Holtman. I wasn't sure he was going to be able to continue to contribute, uh, but he, he had a nice game last night against Dane Goodwin, who was going to go to Ohio State. Damon Goodwin, who formerly of St. Mary's, the, 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 the great uh, player from the St. Mary's Rough Rider community, as well as the head coach at Capitol forever. Dane Goodwin, his son, plays for Notre Dame and uh, had a very nice game. Yeah, I can't get a grasp on the relationship between Coach Holtman and Justin right now. I can't, I can't get a real grasp on, on how the coach views the player. Because yeah. there are some games where he'll be in there early and, and, and he'll get looks. And, and there are others where I feel like he doesn't do anything until garbage time. And that may not be how the coach is dispatching him. Coach Bagley would have a better insight on that since he spent years doing it uh, as to whether the player is just grabbing the, the, the reins or not. Um, I didn't have any surprise. I think I tweeted last night and you were joking with me. There was no surprise on my part that when he was matched against another former member of his class, yeah. Yeah. class that Justin Arns came out swinging last night. It was good to see because he had been kind of quiet for a couple of games. No, you're right. You're right. That is kind of fun. I did see uh, a couple of uh, matchups between uh, Goodwin and uh, Arns. So uh, nice to see that. But uh, I just think a good win I think the Big Ten and the ACC Big Ten Challenge, I think they lost one game. That was Purdue down at Coral Gables with uh, Miami. And uh, uh, that game, by the way, folks, was uh, uh, Purdue led by 20 in the first half and lost that game. That's uh, Jim Laranega, the for former Bowling Green head coach, uh, to uh, Matt Painter and uh, Purdue. I think that, you, you talk about Chris Holtman's sweet flight back to Columbus – not a sweet flight back to West Lafayette for Coach Painter bags. 
Yeah, I watched a little bit of that game. Um, and sometimes Purdue will do that. Offensively, they'll struggle. And then it, the wheels kind of fell off, you know, and early on with – Again, I keep on going back to this limited practice time. There's so many protocols in place. There's going to be some ugly games at all levels of basketball. Yeah. We, we, we saw some of the NBA last year when they came back in the bubble. Right. I just think that the lack – coaches are such habits of routine, and right now their routine has been bogged down by protocols and making sure they follow every single thing. And that sometimes it's hard. I think it's probably harder for coaches and kids that they, they, they adjust better. But I think sometimes the coaches adjust the best of those things. I think, you know, the Frank Vogels of the world who did a great job with the Lakers down in the bubble. I, it, I, I just read some pieces on that and, and, and listened to Allie's uh, road trip and podcast. This to, LeBron had, had numerous stories about some things that Frank Vogel did to help those teams. So I, I think early on we see these kind of games where, like, what happened? They're up big and they lost or down big and they came back. It's going to happen more and more. Yeah. But I do like Aaron's – one of the things I, I think defensively he struggled last year at times to guard people. And I think you look at his body, and from all accounts in Columbus, he, like most Northwest Ohio guys, worked their tails off for, for improvement. Uh, and we know that coming from Northwest Ohio. There's a lot of – doubts and what ifs and we've seen it over and over and over again and that's why I keep on uh, pushing the George Mangus button because people have doubts on him and I'm telling you he can play somewhere at the next level yeah yeah you talk about Dakota Mathias Xavier Simpson guys like that that went to the Big Ten and, and, and Travis Walton had great success there uh, we'll get to George Mangus in, in just a heartbeat uh, interesting I, I think the Big Ten is going to be uh, it's going to be really competitive when you think of Illinois beat uh, Duke last night, 83 to 68 at Cameron. Um, and I think Illinois is going to be good. I think Michigan State's going to be good. Michigan's going to be good. I like Chris Holtman and how he, you know, has his team defend. If they can score like they did in the second half, I think they're going to be in decent shape. I think Wisconsin's decent. They got beat on a buzzer beater by Marquette on a tip in over the weekend. So, uh, I don't know who I'm missing uh, in the Big Ten, but I will say this. Iowa. Oh, Iowa. You're exactly – yeah, exactly right. They beat North Carolina last night uh, in a in pretty big fashion. So, Jason, we, we should have some good Big Ten basketball if we can uh, plow through like the uh, like the NFL has plowed through this COVID year uh, with their games and get, getting them in. Uh, if the Big Ten's able to do it, I, I think it's some pretty decent basketball. I was laughing to myself last night thinking uh, – it's just a normal year, right? We've got the Big Ten as the premier basketball conference and showing it against the ACC. And we've got the ACC looking to put two teams into the college football playoff. Yeah, yeah. Everything's normal, right? Yeah, everything's right in the world. Uh, yeah, you've, got one, uh, you've got one ACC team that's there all the time, and then you've got one moonlighting team uh, playing in the uh, ACC in Notre Dame. Uh, and then you have the de facto commissioner of the Big Ten and Barry Alvarez – making sure that Ohio State gets into the finals against Northwestern. So, uh, yeah, all is a uh, little topsy-turvy right now across the, uh, uh, the uh, college landscape. And Mike Krzyzewski, you know, kind of bewildered about everything in his press conference last night. So more to come on that uh, as we go down the road on my weekly podcast. It's Matt Schiller's on Lima Land Hoops and History alongside Coach Bagley. 
and uh, Jason Geyser from your hometown stations. Uh, all right, let's uh, fast forward from last year's uh, unfortunate situation at the end of the year uh, with the high school basketball situation and fast forward to this year and just talk about bags. You just said it about college basketball. What do you think the chances are that uh, Ohio high school basketball association gets their championship in? And I believe this year was supposed to be the first year at St. John arena. That's accurate. Um, I, you know, I, I think we'll get it in. Um, I think we'll, there may be some pauses along the way. And obviously teams will lose game for, for us to sit here and think that every team's going to play 22 games this year. That's not going to happen. There, there'll be some crazy things happen and, and teams have to be ready to pick up a game. If it's not, you know, if they're not contact tracing, losing players, but uh, you know, I, I know even last night at a, eighth grade basketball game at Van Wert, we had seven players, you know, because of contact tracing and those kind of things. So it, it's one of those things where people have to be ready uh, to pivot and, and either shut down for a couple of weeks or, or pick up new games, those kind of things. I think we'll get it in. Uh, there is, again, financial aspect of what could happen, and, and it's going to be similar to football where the state will take over when the sectional tournament begins, and that's when – um, there'll be some monies earned for the OHSAA as well. But, you know, I'm optimistic you know, we'll finish. Yeah, I, I, you know, you, you saying that. What I thought was interesting is I heard some of that, and I do want to bring this up uh, in just a, you know, in a little bit. Uh, but I just, I heard uh, an interview, and I think it was his first. It was Jerry Snodgrass' first interview on WTVN radio 610, and it was uh, Mindy Dreyer, who was formerly of the Lima area, worked at WLIO. She's married to Randy Quartercracks, uh, who's the head coach, boys head coach at Hartley. His dad, the all-time winningest coach at Kaleida in the history of Ohio basketball. And I'll talk about that a little bit going forward. But, uh, you know, I was surprised when I went down to watch the golf tournament at the OHSAA this year. And even though I was a media member, they, I, I don't believe they were charging to get into that. So it's interesting to me that they weren't even – you know, and maybe they were charging, but they didn't let a lot of people in. So they didn't go for the money grab is what I'm saying. They could have had a lot more people on a big acreage down at uh, Ohio State. But Ohio State said, you're only going to have so many people. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and I'll talk about Jerry Snodgrass coming up, the former commissioner of the OHSAA, or I guess they called him the executive director. Uh, all that being said, uh, Jason, you're, you, you were nodding your head. We're on Zoom here, folks. Uh, on the Lima Land Hoops and History Podcast Season 2, um, you were nodding your head that we'll get, we'll get it in somehow, some way. Yeah, I think so. That They need the money. And between them needing the money and the blowback yeah. from canceling the end of last year, yeah. I, I can't imagine what the scenario would have to be like, how bad this pandemic would have to still be raging this March for them not to play at this time around. And I don't know if that's right or wrong, but – we're playing games now. We're playing right, right. Season games now. And we're at an all-time high of cases and all this kind of stuff. So they're clearly not bothered by that. So I, I don't see yeah. how horrible things would have to be. And, and hopefully we don't ever come close to guessing. We're supposed to be going the other way now, right? We've got all these vaccines. I, yeah, I, I, certainly, I, I certainly hope so. Everything's going to be better by March, but I can't imagine it getting worse. And I, I tell you what, I think they go as far as the end of April. I, I mean, they're, they're going to get it in. I, I believe they'll, they'll get it in. You know, 
in hindsight, hindsight's a great thing to have. Um, I think without fans or the way that we did it, we, I was at the Lima senior uh, start game at the University of Toledo. Uh, and that was the last game that was played that I was at. I think that was the last game that was played the night of. It was a Wednesday night, March 11th, I believe. And it was the Rudy Gobert night uh, uh, with the Utah Jazz uh, that went uh, around the world. Uh, I, if they would have just kept doing that with limited fans, I think they could have got it in. I mean, I know that's hindsight, but knowing what we know now and we're playing now, I, I mean, we could have got that in, I think, in, in March where it was only two weeks left, you know. And, and I, it was actually a week left. There was really about 10 days left to get it in. And that is hindsight, but in any event, I think they're going to get it in, and that, that's, my, that's my tale on that. Let, let's, let's move on to, you know, kind of the headlines from uh, the start of this year. Some of the headlines that I saw is um, the big elephant in the room is uh, you mentioned George Mangus and the Shawnee Indians bags. Um, you know, more of that. I, I, I don't see you, – you made a prediction last year um, that uh, Shawnee would beat both OG and Lima Sr., and you didn't have a lot of people in your camp, including me, and they won all those games. I don't see them – I'd be stunned if they got beat this year uh, in the regular season. I would too. Um, and, again, we don't know with quarantines and injuries and some of those things. Health, but, yeah. but and, you know, that they lost a key member of that team. Um, that, that really, really was their glue. And, and knowing Coach Triplett well and, and – and, good friends with him, he was no question the glue to that team, even though he didn't always get all the headlines. Um, and so John Barker, him graduating, um, and the year before, you know, he was hot and cold a little bit, but he had a phen phenomenal year uh, with that team and really led, it, uh, led that team. And so you feel for guys like that that don't get a chance. But I do think in our, our area of Northwest Ohio, the teams with the most experience – will have the best starts because they, they just um, – and Shawnee is so driven right now what, what they didn't get to finish. You know, yeah, and, and not I, having I, closure yeah. is hard, and they're driven right now. I, I would say this. Um, agree with everything you just said. And uh, Coach Triplett did uh, uh, really emphasize how key John Barker was, not only in the season, but he really was uh, complimentary of him postseason. He, he's one of my last podcasts uh, in season one. Uh, but I will say this, Brady Wheeler, I think he had 21 against uh, St. Henry last week, who was kind of filling those shoes for John Barker. Uh, Jason, that to me is a nice indication of that void that needed to be filled that's uh, actually getting some filling there. Yeah, that's been the only question for me as well, guys, is, is how do they fill both the on-court and the leadership roles that John gave them because he was – great in both of those aspects last year and I think the on court I think those those other guards Brady Wheeler there and uh, uh, they brought up the sophomore uh, who was on JV last year all year and he's going to help out there um, the Rosado kid will play yeah. he played plenty of minutes last year so yes. I think they've got the talent there and it looks to me like the leadership is going to come from the other places where you would expect it to uh, you know the Manguses the Tyson Elwers so I, I, don't, I don't see a weakness right now. They haven't shown a weakness yeah. in three games. There, there is a segment of their schedule that, that goes St. Mary's, Dayton Dunbar, uh, Van Wert, Lima Sr., Otto Glandor, Finley, and Troutwood Madison. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty wow. nice wow. run of games there. Ooh, that, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and Trout and Madison is obviously, a, I mean, they, they were probably favored, I would say, in Division Two last year. I watched them play sure. against Hilliard Bradley, uh, one of my buddies, Brett Norris, who they were in the regional finals in Division One and got shut down. So, and they beat Hilliard Bradley. So, I do think there's a nice segment there of their schedule that, that, is going to test them, you know, at that time of the year. What, what, what do you, does it have the dates there for the Trotwood Madison game? Yeah. Um, the date on that, that is actually, that's the OG, the OG classic. Okay. That, that would be uh, February 6th. Wow. Saturday. Okay. Well, that's good. Hey, that's, Hey, that's, Hey, that's why we have this podcast bags. That's why we have you uh, right here with us. Uh, okay. So you've got, You've got Shawnee. Uh, just one quick question. Just uh, do you envision? Because I've not heard any people on George Mangus, and and it's not like they're calling me to tell me. I'm just saying I'm watching my alma mater get beat by Michigan, my favorite Big Ten team, Jason, 82 to 60 right now, with five minutes left in the second half uh, at Chrysler. Uh, do you hear facts? What are you hearing, or what do you forecast? Because I'm a huge fan of Mangus. Uh, just haven't heard where he's going. And by the way, didn't hear where Dakota Mathias was going to Purdue until the last minute. So you just never know. But what what are you hearing? Uh, I think every Division Two wants him, and you know, um, I think Finley really would like to have him too. And and that's a really good fit for him. But I, I just believe I believe he's a Mac player. Um, I, I do, and I know he, people may say he's undersized and a shot. Maybe is is it quick enough? But I, I've seen some progress in that. Just watching him play, I've seen him play twice now. Um, I, I I think he can play at at BG or Toledo in those kind of schools. And I, I know that Coach Triplett has worked really hard to get his name out there. Uh, they they had kind of an AU season uh, in the, in the off season. It wasn't full, but um, you know people like to say he's too small. He's not quite quick enough. All he does is shoot layups. Um, but again, you, you watch him play the eye test when you go watch him play, he's got all the things that you want in a player. And I, I think maybe not right away, um, because maybe they, they're not sure of what he can do. I, I think he can play at that level uh, of the Mac. Yeah. Jason, what do you think? No question. Uh, 100% on board. I, if that kid doesn't go D one, then I don't know what a D one ball player looks like. And not that the, not that he isn't a little undersized and not that these complaints maybe aren't having some bearing to them, but I, I just don't see it. You're telling me that this isn't the guy that you can't get in there. And by the time he's a red shirt sophomore or whatever, he's a, not a good contributor to your squad. That, that blows me away, but I've been wrong on some local guys before I get too yeah. close to it. I've been, uh, and that's troublesome. I, yeah. I, I was wrong the other way. I wasn't so sure that um, Jamar Butler could have played at Ohio state or at least the way that I thought he could. He was in, he he had a fantastic career there. Uh, I thought John Diebler would step in and be automatic right away. He wasn't, but he had a great career at Ohio State. I wasn't sure if Aaron Kraft could play there. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not the uh, I, I'm not the one that sees the projection to the next level. But uh, I sure love what I'm seeing out of George Mangus and have uh, for the last three years. And uh, he left off right where he I'm sorry he's you know right in the place where he left off last year and then some. So we'll take a look at that. Speaking of Ohio State players, uh, I saw Crestview play Lima Central Catholic uh, over the weekend. Big win for uh, Doug Etzler and his crew. Uh, Kalen Etzler, Etzler uh, 
who plays for uh, Doug Etzler and the Crestview Knights. He's committed to Ohio State. He'll be there next year, and they won a state championship. They're actually the defending state championship, uh, Division Four, uh, since we haven't had a Division Four since, right, to 2019 with Jeremy Best and his crew. Uh, Jason, what do you see in Kalen Etzler uh, and, uh, and, and kind of the headlines coming out of this last weekend? I really like him uh, as a kid. I like him as a player. I like that they're using him the way they are. He kind of runs the show there, you know? Yeah. Um, his, his younger cousin is, I think, technically the point guard. But when they want the ball in somebody's hands, it goes to Kalen. And, and I think that's good for him because on so many teams, in, in my experience at the high school level, if you've got a kid who's 6'7 or 6'8, you're sticking him down in the post and you're telling him to get all the rebounds and to get these – you know, these baskets over kids that can't match his height. And they're not doing that with him. They've got him out on the perimeter because that's what he needs to be in the future because 6'8 isn't anything in the Big Ten, especially not his frame. He's not like this big, bulky dude, you know. He's, he's tall. Right. He's lanky. Uh, so he's going to need to be able to shoot the three. He's going to be able to need to be able to, to handle the ball at the next level. Uh, so I think he's getting great experience these last two years for the things he's going to have to do at the college level. And even then, uh, that's, that just screams a kid, right, coming from, from our area and from a small school in our area where don't, don't expect him to hang 20 his freshman year over there. Right. This is a kid that could pay dividends once he becomes a true college basketball player. To, to that John Diebler point, he was the all-time leading scorer in Ohio high school history, and I think he averaged – six or seven points a game his freshman year. Bags, uh, what, what do you see uh, in Kalen Essler? I love the way he sees the floor and passes and he's unselfish. What do you, what do you see? Yeah, his size and his skill level is a huge upside. That's why, and when he's played on the AAU circuit, he has really, really uh, blended in as a four-man trail and those kind of things. And so I, I really believe um, that he could be a redshirt type kid that they just – in a strength conditioning program and all the resources Ohio State has, he may look like a different player. And again, not bulky necessarily, but, but a lot stronger. He, he's a really good athlete. He's a good passer. His skill level, his shot is, he's got good form. So I, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a little time uh, for him, but I, I think he's going to fit in there. And again, he's, he loves the game. He's a gym rat. He's going to work at it really hard. Um, I'm doing the game this Saturday or Friday with Columbus Grove. I'm interested to see – I did Grove in, in Ottaville. The progress Grove will make from week one to week two will be huge. I, that, that's that's up to be a really entertaining game, uh, I think, Friday night with, with, with Columbus Grove going to Crestview and, and seeing yeah. the matchups with Blake Reynolds and the size he has and Tate uh, Burnesser with the, with the size he has and some, some of the things that the physical play that Grove will, will, will try to impose. Yeah. What I like most about Etzler is he doesn't force it. He really – he sees over the top and he passes the ball instead of forcing things. And, and that, that's hard to do sometimes. Yeah, indeed. Uh, you're, you're right. Columbus Grove uh, goes to Crestview. Uh, Gabe Clement did not play in the Ottoville game. Will he be playing in the Crestview game? No. From what I understand, he's out till mid-January. He's got a okay. – uh, I don't know if it's hip or not, but he's got a sprained knee, whatever yeah. that may be. That's a bummer. Um, he's a great player. And, and Bernesser was banged up. Yeah, he is. And Bernesser was banged up. He had sprained his ankle in practice last week, and he was about 70% for that, that game with Ottaville. Yeah. He still managed hey. like 12 points or something, right? <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah. Sprained ankle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No kidding. 
You know, uh, it's funny, uh, the senior class, if you just look around our area, Jason, you would know this more than anyone. I mean, what a senior class that, you know, we talked about Mangus and Elwer and Vermillion, and then you go to Kalen Etzler, and then you go to Blake Reynolds and Gabe Clement and the Ottoville uh, duo. I mean, you just go across this area, Sean uh, Thomas and Rossi Moore, and I'm not just talking about basketball. Uh, you, you, there's just incredible athletes. Then you go on the girls' side. Uh, what did I see? One of your scholar athletes, like Chandler Clark, is she going to Grand Valley State? Uh, yeah. Had a hell of a soccer, you know, uh, career. So I mean, they're just uh, the senior class around here is 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 really impressive. Uh, but yeah, you'll be you'll be covering uh, Grove and Crestview, I'm I'm sure, uh, with with uh, your Friday night uh, uh, crew, Jason. Well, of course. Yeah, that's that's one of the main games we have on Friday night. Um, I, I think to your point about the seniors, I don't remember a time in my 21 or 22 year career of doing this that I've ever heard so much. Wait till these kids are seniors, yeah. as I've heard over the last four years. Uh, it, it's it's been amazing. And you, you've listed off a laundry list of schools. And that was like half of them. That's and it. Yeah, that's not even close to wide from north of Finley to south of Shelby County and, you know, east and west. This is, boy, we've been waiting a long time to see some senior years. And uh, I don't want to be fatalist, but, man, I just hope we get it. You know, like, yeah. let's see these senior years. Let's give them their senior years. Yeah. And, yeah. We saw one of them with uh, Coach Bag, your, your school, uh, with uh, Owen Treese and, and all of the, you know, the, the, the great seniors getting a – uh, state championship in football there so it it transcends not only basketball but just all sports around here what a great uh what a great senior class this is it, it is and all those kids you know my last year that senior class was good two years ago and all those kids were sophomores they were all playing varsity as yeah. freshmen and sophomores so it was a really strong year for all sports that year as well. And, and last year was no exception. And this year, um, you know, it's, it's so 2020 that um, all, of, all of our players uh, return tomorrow from COVID-19 and they will practice Thursday and Friday and play Kaleida Saturday. Um, we never would have dreamed of doing that in the past, but right now it basically becomes yeah. a practice last scrimmage because Vanward opens up Walpock or with um, Walpock next Friday. They wouldn't have one game before they played a league game. And yeah. so they're basically playing a game on two days practice, but those guys are competitors and they'll go out and compete, but it, it, it could be a, uh, it could be a rough sledding Saturday night against Clyda. Yeah. Lima land hoops and history podcast, uh, season two with Matt Childers, Jason Geyser and coach Mark Bagley. Uh, oh guys, what do we know about OG? Uh, we saw, again, I saw some uh, blowouts that they've had um, over the, 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 the first couple of weeks here, they host LCC, Saturday evening. Uh, what do we know about OG, Jason? I don't know that OG has been tested yet. You know, this it wasn't the toughest. It was what Liberty Center and Van Buren, and I'm not here to disparage anybody, but that's not the sure. That's not sure. The WBL and Division Two opponents that they play most of the year. Um, they've got some familiar names back. I mean, that Liberty Center game. It was Brennan Blevins, Owen Nichols, and Ethan White leading the way, and we know those guys pretty well. But as I look down the roster, I always pull out last year's roster and this year's roster and do some comparing. There's some names there, man. Ben Westrick, 
Ethan Alt, who took over some games last year. Parker Shoemaker was a really nice guard for them. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't go unharmed in graduation like a lot of these teams have. Uh, mm. they, they've got some spots open, and, and uh, look, we just assume that they're going to be in the top two in the WBL because they are every year, and I don't see why this would be any different. But it's not just plug and play right now. They, they've got some spots that, that need to be filled. Yeah, that's very interesting. So when I watch your broadcast on WLIO, I, I, I've called it WLIO. I'm an old guy. So uh, on the hometown stations, NBC uh, uh, in particular, when you do your Friday night show, um, how in the heck do you know all of the names? How does your crew know all of the names of the people taking shots and making buckets at Anna and Botkins and Fort Loramie and I mean, how do you know? I mean, obviously, do you just grab a roster? But that, that to me just seems so hard. Blind without a roster. I had one game this year already where I didn't have the roster, and it was just a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, the most yeah. important tool to trade, honestly, is that little piece of paper. That's, that's why I'm always so glad when athletic directors will just email them ahead of the season. or Oh, yeah. Because uh, we're, we're sending so many shooters out on Friday nights that it's not like it's all members of the sports department. It's guys that are volunteering their time. And oh, nice. Yeah. Their, their 40 hour a week job, you know, they're doing it on top of that. So then to, to tell them, look, you gotta, even if you have to go up into the crowd and beg a parent to take a picture of theirs, gotta have it. And then yeah. of course is a whole other animal. You just do what we hope we're getting, we're doing our best there. And I always encourage people to let us know if we aren't. Yeah. Awesome. No, you're doing a great job. Uh, Bags, what, what do you know about the WBL, your, uh, your, your, your former and your current uh, league? Well, I would say this about OG, too, just to add to that. They have three uh, starting fives coming into their freshman program from their three schools. That is a huge depth, 15 starters every year. Yeah. And, the, and their tradition is so strong that they do really um, just reload. And there, there are bigger holes, I would say, this year than others to fill. But their JV team is always 22-0 uh, or 21-1. So – those kids, just, it just breeds. I uh, thought they were going to be down last year maybe a little bit. And after they lost to Shawnee and Tyson and I talked, it, it, it made them better. That, that loss really exposed their weaknesses. And they were playing unbelievable basketball. Um, they lost a lot from the year before at, at tournament time. So I think Shawnee and OG, you start there. Um, I think St. Mary's um, – with, with one of my favorites, Latre Williams, who, who I, I was fortunate enough to coach for two years at Van Wert, love the kid, and, and a 6'8 kid in the middle, and, and obviously a legendary coach there. You have to put them in the mix. And, and Walpock, with an with a energetic young head coach, they're a 4-0 right now. So, yeah. And we see those two on Friday night going head-to-head, St. Mary's Walpock. Yeah, so I think we'll find out a lot early. And then, you know, from there, there's a lot of teams that are – are, are, are matched together. Van, Van Wert has young kids like they did in football that grew up really fast. Um, and, and in football, and that's what, you know, Coach Lodick is hoping that happens with our young kids. They grow up fast to complement a great player in, in Owen Trees. Yeah, yeah, well said. So good stuff happened in Northwest Conference, Putnam County League and, and the WBL. Um, we'll get a look. Don't know much about Lima Senior. They've had one game. They beat Perrysburg last night uh, by about uh, 12 or 13. It was like 63-49, something like that. Um, 
So, boy, they lost a lot. I mean, they, you know, losing Fulcher to Bowling Green, losing Simpson, um, uh, and uh, 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 Mac, uh, they, they, they just seem to me to lose. I mean, I did the rotary preview and talked to Quincy. I mean, he, I, I mentioned the two, and then he mentioned like two or three others, and he said, we lost a lot, but, uh, you know, they, they have luster at the point. They'll come back with, uh, you know, some guys that uh, they're always competitive. But I, I will see, it'll be interesting to see. I did see that St. Francis has already canceled that game. Lucas County under a big, big time watch. That that game got canceled for Friday night. So, any thoughts, uh, Jason, on uh, what Lima Senior looks like in your preview uh, reporting? Yeah, we haven't done a lot with them yet either, just because we wanted to let them get up and going. Uh, they were off for a couple weeks, I believe, where they've hardly had any practices, and they're already up and playing games now. So we haven't been over and talked to them yet. Uh, but I can, I mean, I'm not blind. I know that last year was the team that was supposed to be the noisemaker. That yeah. was, unlike all these others that were all junior-led last year, that was 10 seniors on that team last year. I, my favorite moment from the, the awesome, from the stories that we did while there were no sports going on was I had a chance to Zoom or, I don't know, Facebook Messenger or something with uh, Q and X and uh-huh. kind of get both of their perspectives on the high school yeah. coach who lost his possible state title season and the college basketball player who saw the end of his senior season taken away from him. Wow. And I said to Q, I was, I was ill-prepared, and I hate being ill-prepared, but it ended up being a bonus because I had to ask him how many seniors he lost. And when I did, he said, we lost 10 seniors last year. And immediately from the other side of the screen, I hear X go, oh, man. And just this <laughs> astonishment on his son's face over how many seniors his dad lost. And that has stuck with me every time I think about the job Q has to do this year and what he has to replace. I think about how his own son couldn't believe the astounding yeah. number that he threw out there for the seniors that he lost. A gut punch. Yeah, a gut punch. Uh, and then uh, we saw Lima Central Catholic. Uh, they beat Bath. They've actually beaten Bath now twice. Uh, they beat them in the tip-off uh, semifinal, lost uh, big to Shawnee uh, at the Fieldhouse in the championship game, uh, came back, lost to Crestview, and then beat Bath uh, last night. So, you know, Frank Kills Club, they've got a long football season. Um, they're going to need to fill some holes down low. Um, but uh, you got Rossi Moore. Sean Thomas is out. He told me, I, I don't know, I'm hoping it was on the record, but uh, he just said, not sure if I'm going to make it back. We, we thought he might make it back in January, uh, but not sure about Sean Thomas, if he will even return, which he would have been a, a very nice uh, help and addition on that basketball club. Um, and then DeMar Foster, who's a freshman, uh, you never want to say, oh, you know, there's Hutchins and you know, there's uh, Aaron Hutchins and there's Xavier Simpson and there's Jamar Butler. You don't want to put him in this category, but he, he's got a bright future. He, he, he really has a bright future as a freshman. Played very well. Again, you heard Doug Etzler on Saturday talk about Jamar Foster and how well he played uh, against uh, his crew over at uh, Crestview. So uh, what are your guys' thoughts, uh, Bags, on Lima Central Catholic and what you see there? I really feel like it's middle of the road, really. Well, I saw him play the first game, and I really like Foster. I think he's going to really, really improve. And, and I think, the, you know, they'll go a little bit as he goes. And then uh, Rossi Moore's motor is, is, is really high. That, that kid just 
whatever sport he plays, his motor is high. And I think Unruh will be a key. I think he's going to have to score more for him this year. And he's going to really have to, I think, have a great year for them to, to get to that 12, 14, you know, 16 win. If they're able to do that, I think it's going to depend on those three guys are going to lead them. And then their role players will need to grow up a little faster, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. All right. So, uh, you know, you talked about a couple of things coming up. We got Crestview and Grove, we got LCC and OG, um, other games around the horn. I did see, did uh, Ottoville lose to Antwerp last night? Did I see that? Uh, Two, yeah. At their place, at, at Antwerp. Yeah. So, uh, Ottoville, who had a big win against Columbus Grove. So, we'll keep an eye on all of that uh, and keep you posted uh, to our audience on all things going forward on our weekly edition of the podcast. Um, I did hear, I mentioned it earlier. I, I, I listened to a 25-minute interview with Jerry Snodgrass on 610 WTVN with uh, Minnie Dreyer and her co-host. Uh, Bags, what, what do we know? What do we know about Jerry Snodgrass, who uh, was the, I, ca I call it the commissioner. Vince Coe's always called it the commissioner. Uh, he was the executive director of the OHSAA, let go on July 6th um, after the spring and winter sports uh, did not make it through. Uh, what what do we know about that? Well, I, I, I just don't think – Jerry's not a political guy, and that job, for whatever reason, has become ultra-political. And um, Jerry was the, was the heartbeat, in my mind, uh, of every coach, athletic director, and sports fanatic out there. He, he truly did care about things. Um, he – he, he knew what was going on in all areas. He had a special place in his heart for Northwest Ohio. That's why you saw so much support from Northwest Ohio guys when that happened. And it, the way it happened was under a cloud of secrecy. And, you know, Jerry's always professional. Um, Jerry's professional. He hadn't said much. And, and there's probably a lot of reasons why. But it, it's just sad because I think he was what high school basketball is all about. In high school sports – for that matter, not just basketball, but high school sports is all about. So I, I, I miss having Jerry at the helm, to be honest. And, and I don't know all the reasons and, and why. And, and But it, it's un, I think it's unfortunate, in my opinion, for, for high school athletics. Yeah, Jason, uh, what you're reporting and what you saw at the time in July and then subsequently, obviously, it was kind of a bombshell to everybody. And then uh, it's, it's kind of tapered off, but uh, certainly – was really big news. Uh, do, do you think that it's potentially linked to the cancellation of winter sports um, and the spring sports? Is it potentially part and parcel of that? Uh, I don't have a good feel on it. I, I, don't, I haven't heard anybody that's had a good feel on it. Mm. Uh, uh, yes, of course it had to do with that. And of course it had to do with a differing of opinions on what to do about uh, football forward and I, that, that was very clear you don't you don't get rid of somebody that's doing such a good job if there isn't a major difference of opinions there um, I'll say this I spend a lot of time I don't like sticking up for the big guy I, no man I'm the little guy I want to fight for the little guy but people mm -hmm. take a lot of pot shots at the OHSAA that over the years I don't think are deserved and I spend a lot of time being like, yeah, I'm not going to be part of that. In fact, here's, you know, here's why. And I'll, I'll just try to, because I think they do a lot for athletics in the state. Mm. That was a huge mistake on their part. Not just not, and I'm not talking about any angle other than public image. You went from Dr. Dan Ross, who was pretty transparent 
and I think people thought was doing a good job even when they were taking shots at the OHSAA. And I think Jerry had a cult following. I mean, mm-hmm. he was on Twitter. You know, mm-hmm. how yeah. many guys his age are out there on Twitter interacting with 16-year-olds and 14-year-olds and treating <laughs> them with the respect that he would treat anybody else coming at him on this platform. And yeah. I mean, he would retweet the criticisms of himself because he wasn't hiding from any of it. And I think that's why everybody loved him so much was mm-hmm. because it was just transparency. You may not agree, man, you may think he's the worst possible guy for that job and he's ruining it. But on the side, you were saying, oh, but geez, he sure does stand there and take all the bullets. Yeah. And I yeah. don't know the guy, maybe he'll do a fantastic job. Maybe he'll have a 40 year career in that seat and we'll reach new heights that we've never reached before. But uh, public image is really low right now. Yeah. As my mother used to say, uh, you know, don't criticize uh, uh, St. Charles, uh, the, the priest. Don't don't criticize the pastor. There's one of him and 2000 of us. And uh, that's probably pretty apropos for the OHSAA, uh, you know, commissioner and uh, the role that he plays. So I just thought it was interesting. It was so, you know, Twitter, I like Twitter for information. And it's, I saw Jerry tweet out that he was going to be uh, on that program. And I actually just downloaded the app and listened to it. It was very, it was very enjoyable. I, I, I listened to it. And uh, I still, as I ask you guys, I still don't know what happened, but he gave, uh, I think as many, you know, as much as he could give, he gave those answers. And uh, I think it's worthwhile if they have it posted somewhere. Uh, it's worthwhile to our audience to be able to uh, to check that out. So, all right. So um, we're coming up on uh, just about uh, our last little couple of minutes here, folks. Uh, it's Jason Geiser and Coach Mark Bagley. It's just been a pleasure. Fun to talk about. It's good to start season two of Limeland Hoops in history. I love hoops, folks. And I love, uh, you know, being able to interact and talk with really smart people like Jason and Bags. And I always said, we want to bring you, you know, some smart stuff. We want to have some fun and we want to entertain you. So I'll leave you with, uh, with this. More likely, guys, more likely that Jim Harbaugh's in Ann Arbor next year coaching Michigan or Urban Meyer is in Austin, Texas, coaching the Longhorns. Go ahead, Bags. <laughs> uh, the Jim Harbaugh's in Michigan. Uh, I, I think I, I think Urban has given the answer from what I've read. Uh, I think it was a nice flirtation. Um, and, and I, there's no one that would want to stick it right now to Tom Herman and Urban Meyer because I think when Tom left, he kind of uh, maybe – there were some things that happened there that may, maybe were a little bit uh, thrown under the bus, and I, I don't think Urban took very well to that. I'm not saying that Urban was right in, in some of those, those things, but – I think Urban would like to stick at the time right now, but I, I think I think Harbaugh will be back. I'm hoping he's back as an Ohio State fan. <laughs> hey, uh, you're right. Yeah, there there was you know with Earl Bruce's grandson and all of that blowing up. Uh, Herman kind of got in the mix on that, and of course all of that reflected uh, with Urban. But uh, somebody said that his wife. I always love this. Uh, you know, LeBron's now this happened. LeBron's wife is looking at schools in Southern California. That actually came to fruition. Uh, they said that Urban Meyer's uh, wife was in Austin looking at, at homes. And I thought, you know, you probably could just go online and look at homes. You don't necessarily need to go down there and the money that they're going to have, they could just have whatever home they needed. But I think in it's the middle a, of a pandemic. Yeah, yeah right. So, uh, you know, I, I, 
I think it'd be interesting to see Urban Meyer there. I'm kind of a chaser of, uh, you know, great coaches and seeing them. Uh, I always wanted Jim Trestle to, to, you know, resurrect his career somewhere because I thought it'd be fun to watch. But uh, he ended up as the president of Youngstown State. And, um, you know, since Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer have been there since it's Michigan week, uh, it's been all Ohio State over Michigan. Wouldn't they love the days of Lloyd Carr uh, back in the John Cooper days in the 90s? It just has totally flipped, and Ohio State is the clear dominant factor, not only in the Big Ten, uh, but or not only in this uh, rivalry, but in the Big Ten. Uh, I'll get your guys' thoughts uh, going out uh, for, uh, uh, for that in, in Michigan, Ohio State week, and how that portends and what Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer have done uh, to really put Ohio State in a huge position over the Big Ten and Michigan. Hey, weren't they talking uh, extension with Harbaugh? Didn't I see that on Tuesday? I actually just grabbed my phone and tried to beat you uh, to the punch there and find if I could find where I saw that yesterday. I think there's an extension on the table now. Uh, according to, uh, and I listened to radio all, all day long, um, the updates that uh, – uh, is it Ward Manual or Wade Manual? Ward? I think it's Ward. Yeah. It, the AD at Michigan has said we have not started those talks yet. Uh, but Dan Patrick had uh, someone on today, and forgive me, he actually had said that, you know, he, he listed all of the things where he said typically these coaches, guys, uh, in year two and three will, once they have, you know, double-digit wins, they get a five-year extension. And he said, Jim Harbaugh never does that. And he was really, you know, that, that really could be the bugaboo for Jim Harbaugh because he didn't do it when he went, you know, won 10 games, 10 games, 10 games. He now is in a back, you know, backsliding. And it may not come, it may not happen uh, because of that. And you could never go into a last year, Coach Bags, without having a contract secure because everybody's just going to say, well, how do you even know Jim Harbaugh is going to be there? Who are you going to be playing for? Yeah, well, and that, that's been evident on the recruiting trail right now. We're hearing about Ohio State maybe securing another five-star receiver. Uh, and, and Heartline is just a phenomenal coach and recruiter. And the rumors today of Michigan losing two or three four- to five-star players. So Ohio State's killing it on the recruiting battle right now on that front. And with the uncertainty of Harbaugh, it, it's an easy choice. If you have to, have to pick between the two, it's so easy right now with – with what Ryan Day has done, and he's he's built on the recruiting uh, dominance of Urban Meyer and just kept it going with, with his staff as well. Yeah. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Uh, the uh, Season 2 inaugural uh, Lima Land Hoops in History, Jason Geyser, Mark Bagley. Really appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you uh, hopefully in the coming weeks, and uh, we'll keep an eye on high school hoops and everything else around the sports world. Uh, great to have you with me, man. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you. A lot of fun, guys. Thanks. Always Indeed. love talking sports. Thank you. Indeed.